Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, Celebration Church, why don't you put your hands together for all that God is doing. Amazing to see how God's working in and through our church. So grateful for all that he's doing. If you don't know me, my name is Carlos. I am uh, that family member that shows up every now and then around the holidays. You know those? I'm uh, fortunate enough to pastor our Celebration at Amelia Island location just north of you. There's some of our crew over there. So if you're ever on vacation want to come check us out, we'd love to have you. Um, but I'm so grateful to be here. Our family found Celebration Church in 2006, and our lives were never the same. And so um, anytime I come here, anytime I'm around our Celebration family here at the arena, I'm always thankful for what God is doing. And I look back on where we were and where we are now. And it's interesting because what God has shown me recently is like every year that, that with the church plan, just whatever God is doing, I appreciate my senior pastor more. Do you know what I mean? Like, like recently I've done some traveling, I'll speak at different places or conferences, whether it's in the States or out of the country. And anytime you say this, uh, yeah, Pastor Stovall is my pastor, or Pastor Carey is my pastor, there's this automatic respect, this honor and this awe of, wow, because what you don't know maybe about them is they're pastors to pastors. They're leaders to leaders. And so what we take for granted, God does so much in and through their lives. So can we give them a, a round of applause, just honor and thank them for their sacrifice and love? We're so grateful for them. Well, I'm going to jump right in. Um, I believe God has a word on my heart for you. Um, I believe it's going to speak right to where you are. Uh, speak to some of the frustrations, some of the concerns maybe that you have. Uh, we're heading to the holiday season, so there will be some stress. There will be some tension. Rest assured, it's coming. It's waiting for you. But I believe God will speak something to you directly that will prepare you for those things. You know, God, um, he really wants you and I as a believer to dig a little deeper. It's easy to go through the motions, you know what I mean? It's easy to show up and, and know what we have to do, but he's got something so powerful, so deep for us. You, you never graduate out of this Christianity thing. Funny, funny I say that. One of my Uber drivers told me he graduated from Christianity. It happened the other day. It was kind of funny. Long story. But he told me he graduated from it, and that, we know that's not the case. But we know that what God has for you and I is, is really love letters. Anybody from the generation where you used to have to write love letters? Anybody from that generation? You guys now, you don't get it. You can't profess your love with an emoji. That's not the right way. You can't profess your love with a few words over text messages like, guys, we had to worry about our penmanship back in the day. Really did, this is a true story. And so my wife and I were dating in high school, like I would have to write a legible way that she could read it. But here's what I think, that if she had never opened those love letters I sent to her, she never understood the depths of my love for her, the direction I believe that we were gonna go. And for many of the believers, I wonder if we understand the depths of God's love for his love letters. I wonder if the 66 love letters under one book, we, we take it that serious. Of course, if she didn't open the letter, she knew that I loved her. Of course, she didn't open the book. She knew that I wanted to hang out with her and spend time with her. But I can guarantee you she didn't know the plans that I had. I guarantee you she didn't know the depths of my love for her. And I just wonder if sometimes we miss out on the depths of God's love. And so tonight, I want to take you a little bit deeper. Do you want to go deeper? I want to talk to you about the subject, and I want you to find the best-looking neighbor on your row. You can take your time if you need to. <laughs> Just eye them out if you're single. This is going to be a great opportunity for you tonight. Find the best-looking neighbor on your row and help me with the sermon title tonight. From the series Peace on Earth, I want to talk to you about love rehab. Someone say it with me. Love rehab. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you for all that you're doing, God. 
And I pray today, Father, is a, is a moment where you can speak directly to our heart, where we drop the walls and just say, God, here am I. Because we know in those moments, God, you can move. In those moments, you can be exactly what you want to be. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way and to speak to us in a way like only you can, God. In this moment, would you show us how to decrease, that you would increase and, and have your way, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to go on a journey with me for a moment. Are you ready? Go back to a time that you were in love. I heard some, I heard some oohs and ahs in the crowd. Yeah, I know. You know that moment where you didn't know they were going to walk in the room, and then they did, and those butterflies started in your stomach? You got sweaty, clammy, maybe flush. The moment when all love songs started to make sense. Your playlist had the sappy songs now. You wanted to be in that mood. As a matter of fact, you made up and you made sure that, that your schedules would somehow correspond with each other. I remember dating my wife in high school. She was in chorus and that night they were singing at a Baptist church. Well, I wasn't in chorus and I wasn't Baptist, but do you know where I ended up that night? Made sure our paths crossed that evening. The power of love is so significant. I played soccer in, in high school. I was getting recruited by different universities and some bigger than others. And the bigger universities, they couldn't understand why I settled for the local university, the smaller program. What they couldn't account for is that smaller program kept me close to the one that I loved. They couldn't offer me that in the recruitment package. And so what we find out and you'll find this in 1 Corinthians 13, that of faith, hope, and love, the strongest is love. And during this holiday season, peace on earth truly looks like this, God delivering love to you and I. And for you and I to understand the love that he has, we might not have it exactly the way he wants us to. I call it love rehab because there's a certain rehabilitation that comes with knowing the love of God. The word rehab suggests that it's not functioning the way that it was meant to function. Do you know what I mean? I want to take you to, to a scripture, but before we get to the scripture, I want to set context for you. Jesus is, is talking here on a Wednesday. He's going to get crucified on a Friday. And so he puts himself in a place where he knows people are going to ask him questions and come at him, try to trip him up and trap him. You know what they're going to do? They're going to press him. They're going to push him if he's the son of God. Push him if he knows the scripture. Push him to where what's really in him comes out. Can I tell you on this holiday season, you're going to be pushed and the real you will come out. It might be publicly, it might be privately, but you'll get pushed and, and the real you, the real reaction, the real thoughts, the real character, the real words, they'll come out. And what comes out of Jesus is the heart of God. When pushed, when pressed who he really is, the heart of God comes out. And so we jump in here Mark chapter 12 and verse 28, I need to help you understand that this, this is nobody really inquiring of Jesus. They're hoping to trap him with the law of Moses. They're going to give him the top 10 laws of Moses say, hey, which one of these commandments are the greatest? Because as soon as he highlights one, we got him. He's discounting the other laws of Moses. So they're talking together, confirming, all right, guys, I got him. Because he's already having a conversation and they interrupt. It says one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. That's just kind of what Jesus did. He was able to answer all things, right? So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
I got him, guys. This is it. He's going down. He's going to highlight one of the commandments. And if you don't know what the commandments are, let me help you. Here's what they are. They're, they're found in Exodus chapter 20. The commandments are, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness against your neighbor and not covet or want somebody else's stuff. And so here's what they set up. And so when they say commandments, everybody in the room, they know what commandments they're talking about. And so wait and see Jesus highlight number one, number five, number seven, number 10. Which way does he go with this? You'll see his response in verse 30. He says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Someone say amen. amen. That's powerful. Your entire being. What Jesus is doing here, he's quoting scripture back in Deuteronomy 6.5. He knows the room. He knows who he's talking to. And so when he says this, they know it's an inclusive love is what's most important. And then he does what only Jesus can do. He adds on to it. Verse 31, he says, the second is equally important. So here's Jesus and what he adds. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. No other command is greater than these. <laughs> Verse 32 might be my favorite. It says, and the teachers of the religious law replied, well said, good teacher. <laughs> Guys, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. I gave my best shot. He might be legit. Jesus reveals to them the greatest commandment. And did you catch? Wasn't even a commandment. He doesn't even give them what they're looking for. They can't even trap him because what he gives them is the heart of God. They're looking through the legalistic lens. They want to know the religion, the tradition. How do we pin somebody down? But Jesus says, you're missing it. It's about the love of God. It's about the heart of God. See, Jesus says about them, they were blind guides. Although they had eyes, they couldn't see. Although they had ears, they couldn't hear. He says, you're not going to be able to see looking through that religious, that legalistic. You've got to have the love in the heart of God because what they missed was this. The Ten Commandments were nothing more than God revealing his heart. How? The first four, if you notice, were how to love God. The next six over half were how to love your neighbor. And so at the end of the day, it was truly how to love God. And Jesus unpacks this and shows them, here's what you're missing. You know, as God gives Moses these 10 commandments, I truly believe it was a setup for this moment. Because they were going to make it about rules and traditions and laws. But then Jesus would have an, an opportunity to unpack it for them. He'd have an opportunity to show them what the heart of God really, really looks like. Because nobody could keep the 10 commandments. That's not what they were made for. The Ten Commandments were to show us our need for a Savior. As Jesus comes and reveals this to them, what he does, he sets the bar a little bit higher, shows them something new altogether. He says, no, you can't live by the Ten Commandments, but you know what you can do? You can surrender your all to God. If you're intentional in this walk, you could give God everything you are and be in a right standing relationship with him. That's what you could do. But to do that, you have to know who God is. And here's where it's difficult for them. They had only known God as a religious deity. They only had known him through the, through the lens of laws and rules and regulations. They didn't know the God of a relationship. See, Jesus was trying to show them to trade in the law for love. They had the scripture memorized, but it didn't make it way to their heart or to their attitude or to their actions. And here's where Jesus says, now is where we begin. You've got to know him. 
You've got to want to know him. You've got to get into places where you know him. You've got to dig to know him like you've never known him before. And don't be surprised when you get in a place in life where you get to know him like you have never known him before because you've never been there before. And so he pushes them out of, relationship, out of religion to relationship, but then he also says something they hadn't heard, that you're to love him with a certain type of love. Could have used any word for it, but he used the word agape love. Agape love is a word that wasn't thrown around. It was a very specific love. It was an unconditional love. It was a love that it didn't matter if there's hard times or good times. It was a commitment type of love that doesn't change. It was a covenant type of love. He says, this is a type of love that God is calling for. If you want to know him, this is how you know him. The type of love that affects your attitude, your actions, your thoughts, affects every part of your life. Good days, bad days, your character, who you are as a person. He said, this is the kind of love that God is calling for. We know that Jesus begins to unpack this for them and show them that it's a, it's a love that consumes our lives. Not one that you turn on and off, depending on where you're at. If you like them or not. If you feel good or not. If it's, if it's a good day or bad day. He says, this is what God is trying to lead you to. Jesus was showing them something of an intelligent type of love. The type of love that you just couldn't say, okay, I love you, okay, I love God, I serve God. No, you had to think this one through. You had to live this one out. And the only way he could describe this was saying this. It's the kind of love that you love God with every part of your being. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Why? Because the Hebrew culture knew this. The heart was the center of your identity, where your actions and your thoughts came from. That's why Proverbs says this in 423. It says, guard your what? Your heart. For everything you do flows from it. How do you know if your heart is guarded? Does your identity constantly change? Based on what you do or don't do, what you make or don't make, who's in your life or out of your life, who loves you or hates you, who likes your feet or doesn't like your feet. He starts with the heart first because that's where the first place of surrender takes place. And then he says your soul. We know that the soul is the seed of emotions. So many of us are led by our soul and don't even know it. Matthew 26, 8 says this, Jesus and the garden says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He showed the soul was our seat of emotions, but watch what he shows. That he's not led by his emotions. He leads his emotions. So although he didn't want to be separated from the Father, he still goes to the cross. And I can tell you right now, God did not give you and I emotions to be led by. We lead them. We honor God them with them. And so he tells them there's, there's this inclusive love that you have to have for the Lord your God with with every part of your being, your heart, your soul, but also your mind. Someone say mind. Mind is so strong. It's the place of your will. There's a certain strength that comes when a person makes up their mind. The most dangerous and most motivated person you will ever meet is somebody who's made up their mind. They're going to do it. They'll, they'll wait it out. They'll pay the cost. They'll do whatever it takes. Anybody raised a strong-willed child before? <laughs> I got a few of them. The power of the mind is, is so significant. But the last one that Jesus unpacks for you and I is this one, on how to love our Father, on how to completely be in right standing with Jesus Christ, to how to receive the peace on earth is strength. And this one, 
I don't know if I thought about it this way. I, I don't know if I saw it immediately. Jesus had to unpack this for me with our strength, Lord. Yes, our strength. That you and I are given strength not to make a living, not to hang out, not to do hobbies and, and, and do whatever we feel like doing. The primary source of why you and I are given strength in our body is to glorify God. Did you know that? Our strength is for his glory and his honor and everything else is secondary. That's what he shows us that even in the posture of our life, the posture of our life should recognize the goodness and the grace of God. That he gets first priority. He doesn't get what's left over the day. As a matter of fact, you worshiped him because you got here. You got in your vehicle. You worshiped. You prepared yourself to make God great. You showed God all that you had going on. God, you've got priority in my life today. I know a guy who recently went to Jerusalem and they have what's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And you've probably seen them. They pray at the wall and they, they rock back and forth. And he asked one of the Jewish guys, like, why do you guys pray? Like, why do you rock back and forth? Because in their heart, in their mind, they take the scripture literally. So when Deuteronomy suggests that, that you're serving with all your strength, they refuse to give God a half-hearted prayer, a prayer under their breath, a prayer whenever they have a chance or time to. But they rock back and forth saying, God, you are worthy of my strength. You're worthy of all the glory and all the honor. And my primary reason for breath in my lungs and strength in my body is to bring you glory. Amen? But he shows us, this is, this is what he's calling us to, a, a new standard and a new level of love. You see, Jesus is in a culture where he sees a love rehab is needed. Rehabilitation is needed to connect with God in the right way. It's, it's not happening the way that it should. Because, see, the, the culture he's in is very similar to our culture a divisive culture, a divided culture, people separating themselves, carrying hate and bitterness and anger, uh, people having drama at home, the office, in the neighborhood. They had a situation where even people of different ethnic backgrounds weren't mingling. And so you'll see very clearly this in the scripture. You'll see that Jewish people didn't want to hang around any kind of Gentiles. Samaritans wanted nothing to do with Jewish people. Pharisees, they wouldn't even sit at the table to eat with a, with a, a Sadducee. He looks at all this, and, and, and they are claiming to be right with God. They are claiming to have a relationship with God. And he's saying, you don't love God. You don't. Pretty brave of Jesus to say, okay? You just don't walk into their circles and say this kind of stuff. He says, you don't love God. You love the idea of God. You love the actions of God. You love the blessings of God. You love the history of God. You love the tradition and the rituals of God. You don't love God. Because if you loved God, you would love what was created in his image. You don't love him. He says the moment you and I harbor ill feelings, bitterness, anger, frustration, hatred, any of those things, the, the moment we find ourselves there, he says, you can't love God because it doesn't work like that. The moment you fail to love your neighbor as yourself, he says, it's not the love of God. That's not how it works. And maybe you're like me. When I read the scripture, I'm like, God, I don't hate anybody. And I'm a Christian. That's not my vocabulary. I don't have enemies. I pray for those who use me, God. That's what I do. I don't hate anybody. And, and I thought this through, and, and maybe you'll think this through tonight. We don't hate people, but we sure will stay away from certain people. We don't hate people, but we sure will avoid a conversation with them. We don't say we hate them, but we'll make no eye contact with them. We don't hate them, but we won't sit by them during the holidays. 
See, the problem with that is that that's closer to conditional love and further from agape love. That's closer to hate and further from God's love. That's the problem with that. And I'm amazed with how serious Jesus is on this level. Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 5. He talks about the altar. And if you've been in Celebration Church for any amount of time, you know how significant this altar is. From Old Testament to New Testament, it is a meeting place with God. Jesus says, you want to know how serious I am about this love of God and love of man and loving your neighbor and, and being able to love them together? Here's how serious I am. He brings the altar into it. I can't believe he goes there. He says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly, watch this, remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice. Go ahead and leave it there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then, and only then, come back and offer your sacrifice to God. Do you see how Jesus lays this out? He even puts the altar into the equation. He shows you and I this in the scripture that you and I are called to reconcile and forgive we're not called to judge. It's not our calling. That's above our pay grade. He says, you are to be reconciled with man. You are to, to show the love of Christ regardless if they deserve it. They don't deserve it. You're right, they don't deserve it. Neither do we. But he shows us here his heart for humanity, his heart for mankind. And what he wants to say is this. He wants us to have a relationship that resembles the cross where we have a right-standing relationship with the Father in a vertical way, but then also a horizontal relationship with all mankind. And nothing and no one is off limits. This is the problem they had. They were memorizing scripture, but not living it. Here's what they were memorized. Let me help you so you can get into their mind. Deuteronomy 6, 5. Here's what they had memorized. Love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Here's what they had, but yet they could treat their neighbor terrible. Yet they could, they could destroy them in private. They could tear down their character. They could talk, they could spread drama. They could do all these things to people and say, but I still love God. I still love my, I, I, I'm still right standing with God. I, I still serve, I still give. And Jesus says, I see what's happening and this isn't happening anymore. He shows them this is not his heart for them. This is not what he hoped for them to experience because what was happening is that they were talking about healing, but Jesus now wants you to live healing. They were reciting scriptures on freedom. Jesus says, I want you to start living freedom. They were quoting the joy of the Lord. And Jesus says, you're going to start living the joy of the Lord. Different altogether. Jesus starts to unpack some things that for some people are uncomfortable. For some people that look at each other and say, is this what's really happening? Where does he speak with this authority? Where does he speak with this, with this candor that he has? What you'll see that Jesus here and in other places in scripture, he does two key things. He begins to unpack things for us because sometimes you see Jesus, he'll affirm scripture and then he'll expand upon it. So if you heard him say this, uh, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. Jesus knew that if you read the Bible, you know what's God's, the tithe, the offering, our heart, our soul, our mind. Give those to God and then give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But then you see him do this. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I say, turn the other cheek. And so Jesus has this authority to either confirm or expand upon the scripture. Here we see him do a couple things. Well, the first thing he does is he shows us a new application of this verse that you can't say you love God and not love your brother and sister. 
You can't say you have an issue with somebody who you see and love somebody who you've never seen. He says, we've got to get this right. Remember, this is a Wednesday. He goes to the cross on Friday. This is some of his parting words with you and I. This is the peace on earth he wants us to have. He said, don't miss this. And so he adds an addition here to this scripture. He references Deuteronomy 6, 5, but then he adds this addition. But then he also adds an application. Watch this. Blew me away when I saw him do this. He tells us, he tells us this. We can't love people the way we love God. We can't love God the way we love people. Because see, if you and I love people the way we love God, it wouldn't work. We're to love people as we love ourselves. We're supposed to love our neighbors as we do ourselves. So if I love you and you love me, it's through the lens of knowing that we're not perfect. We will fail each other. We will offend each other. We will upset each other. We will rub each other the wrong way. You'll catch me on a bad day. You'll catch me in a bad mood. You'll catch me on, on my not best Christian day. Do you know what I'm talking about? You'll catch me on one of those days. And so you can't ascribe, I can't ascribe uh, my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength to you. Or the moment I put you on that pedestal is the moment you begin to fall. God shows us this. The moment you try to love people the way you love God, the moment you try to love God the way you love people, you'll miss it. God is the only one that we ascribe our everything to. God is the only one that gets our full surrender. So maybe the person hurt you the way they hurt you because you surrender things to them that were never theirs in the first place. Maybe that feeling won't go away. Maybe that pain is still there because you gave them access to a place that was never theirs to begin with. Maybe. Because what God shows us is, is, is that the moment we edify someone or something above him is the moment they begin to fail us. So maybe, watch this, they're not that bad of a spouse. Maybe they're not bad of a sibling, not that bad of a coworker, not that bad of a child, not that bad of a friend. Maybe you're ascribing to them. Maybe you're depending for them to fill a place and a space that they were never meant to. Maybe. You know, this message is called Love Rehab because there's a rehabilitation, Jesus says. He says there's an authentic type of love that will affect your life, affect your full being. And there's a, a fake love because it's easy to love God. You know what I mean? He's always been good to you. He's always provided for you. He's, always, he's not left you in a day of your life. But to love people who aren't always good to you, to honor people who don't always honor you, to speak well of those who you know for a fact are not speaking well of you, as soon as you leave the room, that's, that's where it's separated. That's where it's separated. That's where Jesus says, here's what I'm calling you to. You've heard this, I'm telling you this. That's why Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. He comes to show the heart of God. The prophets tried, everybody tried, but no one could adequately communicate the heart of God. And Jesus comes through 42 generations, steps out of eternity, steps into time, and says, here's the heart of God. They miss the love of God for the law of God. And so the response today might look like this for you. It might start with forgiving and letting go. As we end one year and enter to another, you might leave it in 2018 and move forward in 2019 in a different manner. 
And that'll be hard. I'm not even going to say that might be the easiest thing you've done this year. As a matter of fact, you might have held it for many years. And the people who have hurt you and scarred you, it's true because you feel it and you see it. Whenever you're reminded of it, it's there. They may be alive. They may not even be alive. That's a harder one, isn't it? But Jesus says to love God properly, you've got to release. You've got to let go. You've got to love. You've got to, you've got to come to the altar with a fresh heart and a fresh mind and a fresh soul. Nothing holding you back. And for others, it'll be a total surrender. For others, it'll be, this is no more my part of my life. I'm all of God's. He's got all of me. Well, God, this is my relationship. And then when I'm done with this one, you got the next one. Don't work like that. Well, God, when I do get the promotion, then I'll give. Don't work like that. God, when you do this in my life, then I'll be more faithful. Don't work like that. Well, God, when I do find the right person, when I do get in a relationship, then I'll, I'll kick this addiction to the side. Don't work like that. Stuff doesn't hold us over until God comes through. Do you know what I mean? God is looking for more. He's looking to know you and to love you in a way that you've never experienced him. And it starts with surrender. And it starts with, with this understanding that it's a surrender of, of all of we are, all of what we are. Heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, all that God honors and all that God gives, he offers to you today. This is the kind of love that as you head into this holiday season, you'll need. Because many people look forward to the holidays and other people can't stand the holidays, <laughs> for being honest. There's a certain amount of tension and pressure, financial strain. There's, there's all kinds of things that happen around this time of the year. And so what we know is the words of Jesus will prepare us for those moments. It'll give us what we need. We'll have to look at our lives and say, are we fully surrendered? We'll have to look at our lives and say, are we fully loving God with everything that's within us? That's what we'll have to do. Are we giving God all that is his? We want his peace on earth, but what are we surrendering to him today? You know, uh, in November, my daughter turned four. And because of our schedules and family being scattered around, we had about three or four different birthday parties for her. It was a mess. So everybody could feel like they were part of the experience. But what we found out is this, come first week of December, if you give a four-year-old four birthday parties, they think every week is their birthday. <laughs> so every day I'm telling her, no, sweetheart, it's not your birthday. No, you don't have to get a present, and it's not working too well. Y'all pray for us. Even tonight on the way home, I'll probably have to stop and get something for her. But you know what's so interesting is that every single one of her birthday parties, all four of them, no one ever brought gifts for the attenders, the people who were coming to the party. They always brought a gift for the person whose birthday it was. So I'm going to ask you this question. This Christmas, what will you bring Jesus? This Christmas, what will you wrap and put under the tree for him? This Christmas, how will you love him? I don't know what you mean. What do I give Jesus? How do you give somebody something like that? He has a moon and the stars and the universe. What do you offer him? You offer him what he doesn't have. If he doesn't have the love of God in your neighbor, you give him that. If he doesn't have your fears and insecurities, you give him that. If he doesn't have your hurts and your pain and your past, you give him that. If he doesn't have your private or your public life, you give him that. He's looking for what you, you refuse to believe, release. This Christmas, will you give him what he's never had? 
this Christmas, would it not be just about the people around you and the circles around you, the half of them you probably don't even like? Would it be about Jesus? Would your main concern be about what you're surrendering to him, which you have never gave him before? Because if we're honest in this moment, there are things that he wants that we, we don't want to release. There are th- things that he wants to do that we refuse to. That's too far, God. That's too much, God. There are places in our life that we self-medicate. There are places in our life that, that we justify. There are places in our life that we're like, God, this is my time. This is, this is my circle. This is my space. But what we find is that Jesus says, you've got to surrender it all to God. So maybe God wants the breakthrough that you want as well. But breakthrough requires full surrender. Maybe you're not that far from what God's going to do in your life, but maybe it starts with the the full surrender. Maybe it starts with loving people in your circles, loving the most unlovable, forgiving the hardest to forgive. And so as we go into the song of worship, you can stand with us. What I want to do is this. I want to open up the altar. And as we do, I want you to take the seriousness and the gravity of what Jesus said about the altar. He said, this is a place where we make things right. This is a place where we surrender. This is a place where we know him like we've never known him before, where you love him and you love others. This is what this place is all about. And so today, if you want to make that right, today, if you want to surrender, today, if you want to connect with him like you have not connected before, this is your place and this is your space. Today, if you want to ask him, what what do you surrender for Christmas? What is his that you've held back? What does he not have that you lay at his feet? This is that moment. Would you not let it pass you by? Would you not let another Christmas go by? Would you not let another moment go by? Would you allow this to be a sacred moment for you? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.